couple months ago, Mike Bickle, whom I work with at the International House of Prayer, asked me to teach on the subject of hell. While studying that subject, I was handed a tape. On that tape was the message you're going to hear by Bill Weiss and his wife, Annette. Uh, his message rocked my world, and it permanently altered the way I engage my family, my friends, and even people I don't know. And it's permanently altered. I'm not exaggerating, so please don't think I'm speaking with hyperboles here. It's permanently altered the way I look at the few remaining years I have on this earth. Uh, it's my prayer that uh, God would do that in you today. I cannot exaggerate the importance of this message. Bill is a Christian. Uh, he surrendered his life to Christ at age 16. He's known the Lord for 32 years. Moved to California in 1976. Spent 10 years under the ministry of Pastor Chuck Smith in Costa Mesa, California. Uh, Bill is a realtor, as is his wife. For the last 15 years, Bill has been in the congregation and in the leadership during different seasons of Eagle's Nest under the pastorate of Dr. Gary Greenwald there in Orange County, California. A pastor there at Eagle's Nest named Pastor Raul uh, came to Bill and said several months ago, Bill, God's going to do a work of revival. He's going to begin in Kansas City for America. And he's going to send you there. You should go. Bill and Annette have never been to Kansas City in their whole life. The next day, I called Bill and said, would you consider coming to Kansas City? I've seen your video and I think you're supposed to come. I believe they're here at God's command. Are you going to hear the vision of hell? But even more important, you're going to hear a vision of intimacy with Jesus Christ and the love he has for this whole world. Uh, Bill was in hell. wasn't a casual observer, as so many people have been, in legitimate visions. But he experienced the torments of hell for about a half an hour with absolutely no hope of ever escaping. Uh, Bill and his wife are deeply devoted to Jesus Christ and to the Word of God uh, and to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you're going to like them also. Please welcome Bill and Annette Weiss. It is an honor to be here. This whole trip has been such a blessing to us. Um, like Hal said, we are in the real estate business. We don't do this for a living. Uh, we don't do this for money. We just know God has told us to go and tell the world about his love for people and the place that he doesn't want any of his creation to go to. So that's why we're here. And so for the sake of time, uh, I'm going to shorten this testimony and just get right into it. But but first, I want to address a couple things, questions that might be in your mind. Uh, the first question that would be in mine, if I was listening to me, I would say, how do you know it was, wasn't just a dream that you had, a bad dream? A uh, couple points to make. First of all, I had left my body. I saw my body when I returned laying on the floor. So I know for sure that it was out-of-body experience. 
Some Christians have said, oh, a Christian can't leave his body. But that's not too true. In 2 Corinthians 12, 2, when Paul was caught up to the third heaven, he said, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. So if he didn't know, that must mean it's possible. And also he said in verse 1 that it was a vision. So this, I believe, comes under the classification of a vision. And in Job 7.14, it says, Thou scarest me with dreams and terrifiest me through visions. So this is definitely what the Lord did, terrified me through a vision. And uh, also, this returning from this, it took me a year to calm down and become like a normal person again. Uh, I was so upset and traumatized from the fear that it's changed my whole viewpoint on how to witness and and how much to appreciate what God saved us from. I asked my wife to come up for a minute so that she could just share with you for a minute on when she found me in the living room uh, because I don't remember that part. So I want her to say a few words. Thank you, hon. Um, it was about 3.23 in the morning when I woke up. I just remember that because I looked at our digital clock, and um, Bill, I noticed, was not next to me. I heard screaming coming from our living room, and I proceeded to go down the hallway, and I found my husband in a way I've never seen him before. If anyone gets to know Bill, he's very, very conservative by nature, very calm, um, you know, professional man. He's He's just not the type to get excited or um, real emotional over anything, uh, unless it's God at times. <laughs> but um, anyways, I saw him there um, traumatized, literally traumatized, holding his skull, holding his head between his hands and crying out and screaming. And he was in a fetal position on our living room floor. And I didn't know what to do. I thought he was having a heart attack. I just started to pray. And he cried out and said, pray that the Lord would take this out of my mind. The Lord took me to hell. I feel like my body is dying. I can't handle this. And so I proceeded to pray over him. And um, I don't know, maybe 10 to 20 minute time frame in there. And he began to, to calm down. And um, But he was literally in a traumatized state. Like someone who went to Vietnam and has a reoccurrence or a horrible car accident where they're reliving it. It was not just someone who just had a bad dream and woke up. So I just wanted to testify of that. I'm so blessed with a good woman. Anyway, I'm really grateful to God. We've been married for four years, known her for six, and it's been the best six years of my life, I have to say. So praise God. Um, first of all, I wanted to find out when I got back from this experience if there's anybody in the Bible that have ever experienced hell. And so I began to research and I found, and I listened to a Chuck Missler a lot. He's a Bible teacher across the nation, real scholar. And um, he had said also that Jonah experienced hell. In Jonah 2.2, it says, in hell he cried out. And in Jonah 2.6, he says, the earth with her bars was about me forever, yet thou hast brought up my life from corruption. So at least there was somebody in the Bible that experienced hell. Jonah. And I also wanted to find out, because I was raised early days of Calvary Chapel, that any spiritual experience that you would go through should already be in the Word of God. So I knew that I have to, if, if I, what I experienced was true, it would already be there in the Word. So I began to research and I found over 400 scriptures that depicted everything I saw, heard, felt, 
everything to do with hell. It's already in the Bible. So whatever I'm telling you, it's already there. I'll make reference to some of the scriptures as we go. I can't quote all 400, but some of them at least. And I also found there were about 14 other people that had experienced some portion of hell. Most of them were near-death experiences, people in the hospital dying or, and that were brought back and so forth. So to get right into it uh, quickly, my wife and I were at a Sunday night prayer meeting that we always attend with our pastors. And we went home like any other normal night and went to bed. And about 3 o'clock in the morning, uh, I was taken. I did not know how I got there. Until I returned, the Lord explained. But I was just found myself, I dropped into a prison cell. Just a regular prison cell like you would imagine. With rough hewn stone walls and bars on the, on the door. And I didn't know where I was yet. All I knew that it was extremely, terribly hot. It was so hot, I couldn't believe that I was alive in this cell. I, I felt like I should have been disintegrated with this heat. But I was still alive. It was light in the room for a little while, and I, I, I believe the Lord's presence was there for me to be able to see the scenery, but then it got dark after about a minute. Anyway, in uh, Isaiah 24:22 it says, And they shall be gathered together as prisoners are gathered in the pit, and shall be shut up in the prison. Proverbs 7:27 says, They shall go down to hell to the chambers of death. Chambers means inner room. So part of hell has prison cells and chambers and pits of fire, and big areas of fire. So I was just in a prison cell at this time. And then there's a scripture in Jonah 2.6, The earth with her bars was about me forever. And Job 17.16, They shall go down to the bars of the pit. So again, everything I saw was in the Word. The stones are talked about in Isaiah 14.19, The stones of the pit. I found myself in this cell, and these four creatures were in the cell with me. And... I didn't know there were demons at the time because I went there as an unsaved person. God took it out of my mind that I was a Christian. I didn't understand why, but he explained that to me on the way back, which I'll get to. And so these creatures, I didn't, I didn't realize what they were, but they were enormous. They were about 12 or 13 feet tall. And uh, the one I'm going to try to describe to you, oddly enough, uh, one of the people that gives their testimony, he saw the same demon that I did. So you'll see what one actually looks like. It's a really good depiction of one. And uh, it'll be the one where the guy's being drug up to the bars of hell. As you'll see uh, Kenneth Hagin's testimony. And um, anyway, the, they were all scaly. This one was all scales all over its body. And um, giant jaw sticking out with huge teeth and sunken in eyes. And it just was enormous. And the other one was didn't look like that at all. But it was um, razor sharp like fins all over it and long arms and out of proportion feet and everything was deformed and twisted and uh, out of symmetry, no symmetry, the one long arm and one shorter and just odd looking creatures, horrible, horrible looking things. And they were blaspheming God the whole time. They were cursing God. And I wondered, why are these things cursing God? Why do they hate God so much? And then they turned their attention to me and I felt the same hatred that they had for God. They had for me also. And again, I thought, why do they hate me? I haven't done anything to them. But they hated me with a hatred that I've never experienced on earth, way beyond what man has the ability to hate with. They absolutely hated me. And I knew they were assigned to me to torture me. There were things that I'm going to say that I don't know how I knew. It's like in hell, your senses are keener. You just are aware of more than you could be in our physical bodies here. I, could, I was aware of distances. 
and I could I was aware of uh, time and so forth uh, much more than you are here. And so one of the things I knew was that they were assigned to me to torture me forever in this place. And um, I noticed I was laying on the floor of the cell and I had absolutely no strength in my body. And I, I wonder, why can't I hardly move? What is wrong with me? And I was just real aware of that. My wife and I like to work out and, and I just was aware of no strength. And I was helplessly laying there. And the one... Um, demon just grabbed me and picked me up and threw me into the wall like a glass, like he would pick up a glass. That's how light I was or how strong he was and threw me into the wall and every bone in my body just broke. I felt it break and I felt the pain and I just began to lay on the floor there and I, I was crying out for mercy, but these creatures don't have any mercy at all. Absolutely no mercy. The one picked me up the other one with those razor sharp claws and things and he just shredded my flesh right off. He just tore it off and had absolutely no care whatsoever for the for this body that God has so fearfully and wonderfully made. They it just was a hatred that was so intense against me and I just I wondered why am I alive? Why am I living through this? I don't understand why I'm not dead. And the flesh just hung in ribbons and there was no water or blood, just flesh hanging. And uh, because life is in the blood and there's no life in hell and there's no water in hell. And in Isaiah 14, 9 and 10, it says, Hell from beneath is moved to meet thee at thy coming. They shall say, Art thou become weak as we? You don't have any strength. Psalms 88, 4 says, I am counted with them that go down into the pit. I am as a man that has no strength. And we know that the devil does have strength, even in scriptures where there was a, the demoniac running through the, the graveyards and it said they couldn't bind him. Even with chains, he'd break the chains in pieces. So that was just a man with demonic strength. These demons have... I also understood that they had about a thousand times the strength of a man. So even if I had my natural strength, I couldn't have fought them off anyway. So there was absolutely... I was just at their mercy, which they don't have any mercy. The smell of these demons and the smell in hell was so atrocious. I can't even describe to you, but I'll try. It, it's like if you took, there was a smell of burning flesh, of sulfur. There was a smell of the demons were like, like an open sewer, putrid and rotten meat or bad eggs and milk and everything you can imagine. Take it times a thousand again and put it up to your nose and just breathe that in. It was so toxic, it would kill you if you were here in this body, you would die. And I wondered, why am I living again through this smell? It's just so horrendous. But again, you don't die. You have to endure it. The um, profanities that they were cursing out God, that's mentioned also in Ezekiel 22 through 26. I am profaned among them, the word says. And profane means degraded, vulgar language and blasphemous. The torments that they were doing on me, it's mentioned in Deuteronomy 32, 22 through 24, it says, For a fire is kindled in mine anger and shall burn into the lowest hell. They shall be burnt with hunger and devoured with burning heat and with bitter destruction. I will also send the teeth of beasts upon them with the poison of serpents of the dust. So our teeth of beasts are upon you. Second Samuel 22, 6 talks about the sorrows of hell compass me about. And in Micah 3.2, there's an interesting scripture where the Philistines who hated the 
Israelites said they, it says the Philistines who hate the good and love evil, who pluck off their skin from off them and their flesh from off their bones. That's what they did to the Jewish people. So that's in the natural. That's what they did. But where do they get that idea from? That comes from hell. That's what the demons do. And the mercy, there's only mercy in heaven. Mercy comes from God. And the devil has no knowledge of any kind of mercy. He's totally against that. Psalms 36.5 Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens. It's definitely not in hell. And in Psalm 74.20 it says, For the dark places of the earth are full of the habitations of cruelty. It's just a cruel, miserable, horrible place that you have endure. You have to endure all these things. Another thing was, God has made mankind the highest form of creation. He has made us the highest form of His creation. And these demons were the lowest form of creation. And as man, we, we work hard to get ahead in life. We better ourselves. We study and all the things we do. And here in hell, your life is run by a demon. This creature that has an, a zero IQ. Absolute ignorant creature that all they know is hatred for God and hatred for you and torture. That's all they know and they run your life and you can't do anything about it. And there's scriptures about that. The humiliation that you have to endure. Uh, that this thing is going to run my life and I can't stop it. In Isaiah 5.14 it says, Therefore hell hath enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure and the mighty man shall be humbled. Isaiah 57.9 talks about being debased uh, into the lowest hell. And Ezekiel 32.24 talks about enduring shame in the pit. And on and on they go. But that was a horrible thing to have to have your life run by these creatures that have no mercy for you whatsoever. I um, was laying in the cell and it went dark, pitch pitch black. I mean, a darkness which I have never, ever felt before. And I've been down in caves and things, way down in the iron mines and so forth in Arizona. And uh, there was a blackness that you couldn't even imagine. And I managed to crawl out. Somehow I, I was able to crawl. And they let me, apparently. And I remembered where the door was. And so I crawled towards it and felt my way. And I got outside the cell. And I looked one direction, and uh, all black. And all I heard was screams. People, billions of people screaming in this place. I knew there were billions. And it was so loud. If you ever heard somebody scream before, it's so annoying to hear a scream. You know, it's just... Well, to hear billions of people screaming, you can't believe how that affects your mind. You're just... You can't stand it. You want to hold your ears, but it's so loud and penetrating, you can't get away from the screams. And the fear that overcomes you is unbelievable um, because it's dominated by fear. There is no presence of God in this place. So you have to endure the fear and the torment and the blackness. You can't see anything. You can't even see now what's coming up against you. And then the scripture talks about the darkness. Psalms 88, 6, in darkness in the deep. Revelation 16:10, full of darkness. Jude 13, blackness of darkness forever. And there's a darkness which may be felt in Exodus 10:21. It was you could feel this darkness. And uh, the fear, though, I've got to tell you, was so powerful, gripped you. It's like if you've ever seen some scary movie where the fear jumps up in your throat <gasps> that second, if you can take that times at least a thousand and hold it there. That's how you mean you stay all the time. And, and I know something about fear. I 
at one point, I used to surf when I was young, you know, kid. I still do, actually, once in a while. But when I was really young, we were in uh, Cocoa, Florida, surfing, and there was a school of sharks came all around us. And uh, about a nine-foot tiger shark came up and bit my board right in half. And it grabbed me by the leg and pulled me down. And so my leg was in the mouth of this giant shark. And I wasn't a Christian then. This was before I was even saved. And all of a sudden, it let me go. I know God let that open that shark's mouth. But for the few moments, the fear that comes into you is absolutely overwhelming. I don't know if anybody ever saw Jaws and, and remember that old movie. But that was nothing compared to actually going through it. The fear was terrifying. And the guy next to me, just a couple of feet away, a shark ripped his leg right off. And they drug him up on the beach and, and blood everywhere. And he was screaming and had no leg. And um, so I understand fear, but that fear was nothing, absolutely nothing compared to the fear I felt in hell. No comparison at all. And, and I think that was one of the greatest fears we could experience on the earth. So these are the, some of the things you have to endure in hell. It says in Isaiah 24:17, fear in the pit and the snare are upon thee and noise of the fear. Even the noise it's talked about. And, and Ted Koppel, in a, a presentation he did on the Nightline about a year and a half ago, he, he visited some uh, prison in our country and he spent the night there. And he couldn't believe how loud it was that you couldn't sleep. Everybody's screaming at the top of their lungs, he said. That's what he said on the TV. He, he was shocked at how people just scream and whine and uh, all night long. So even in our earthly prisons, people are screaming. Where How much more? In hell. And... Uh, in Job 18:14, it says, um, "The wicked ways of man, person that rejects the Lord, it shall bring him to the king of terrors." The devil is definitely the king of terrors. And I was outside now, the cell, and uh, I looked this direction, and as I looked this way, I could see a little. There was flames of fire, it was about 10 miles away from me. I knew it was 10 miles, and it was about three miles across this pit of fire. So the, the flames lit up the skyline enough to see the landscape of hell just a little bit that way. Uh, the darkness is so heavy, it just eats up any light. But there was enough to just see a little bit of the skyline. And it was all brown, desolate. I mean, absolutely not one green leaf, not anything of life of any kind. Just stone and dirt and uh, black sky, the smog in the sky like. And the flames were leaping up real high so you could see it enough. And um, and there's a scripture on where in Deuteronomy 29:23 says the whole land is brimstone and salt and burning. That is, it is not sown nor beareth any nor any grass groweth therein. There's no life whatsoever in hell. It's so strange to be in a world where there's no life like we enjoy here, the trees and the fresh air and everything. None of that. It's absolutely all death and dead there. And I talked about the heat. The heat was so intense, you, you can't even describe it. And, and um, it says in uh, Deuteronomy 32:22, you shall be devoured with a burning heat, suffering eternal fire in Jude 7. In Psalms 11:6, it shall rain fire and brimstone and a horrible tempest. That's what's going on down in hell. It's so hot. All these things should kill you, but you don't die from that. You have to keep enduring all these things. 
I wanted peace of mind to get away from the screams and just get out of there. Like if you want to go home at night when you have a day when it's been noisy or a rough day, you just want peace of mind. Well, there you're enduring all the screaming and torment and you never, ever get away with it, get away from it ever. And in Isaiah 57, 21, it says, there is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. You're also naked in hell. It's just another thing to have to endure, a shame thing. And uh, there's scriptures all about the shame and so forth. Shame in the pit, Ezekiel 32, 24. And uh, Job 26, 6 says, hell is naked before him and destruction has no covering. Now, that means God can see into hell. So it's it's observable to him. But also, you are naked in hell. Just another thing to have to go through. And um, there is no water in hell at all. No water. There's no humidity in the air. And no water of any kind. It is so dry, you are desperate for a drop of water. Just one. Just like the scripture says in Luke 16:23 and 24, the rich man said, And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeing Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, son, remember, and he went on to talk about his brothers and so forth. But a couple points in the scripture, just he wanted him to just dip the tip of his finger in water just to get one drop. That would have been precious. One drop. But you never, ever get a drop. I don't if it's hard to imagine how dry your mouth is. If you can imagine doing a marathon run through Death Valley and having cotton in your mouth and staying there for days and it just continues like that. Just dry, absolute, desperate for a drop of water. Another thing in the scripture quickly it revealed to me was uh, we knew there was a great gulf fix between them in, uh, in hell and between paradise and Hades. And the rich man saw Abraham a great far off. Uh, in the natural, how could he recognize Lazarus and Abraham? First of all, he never met Abraham. And then to see someone that far away, you wouldn't really know who they were. But it's just certain things you know in hell, you understand. Like I was saying, the depths, the, the how far away and so forth. And uh, the, one of the demons grabbed me and drug me back into the cell and began, uh, this began all these torments again, which I'd really hate to talk about that part because I just don't like to have to relive the torment. Um, but they began to crush my skull. One demon grabbed me and tried to crush, crush my head. And I was screaming and begging for mercy and no mercy. About this time, they each grabbed an arm and a leg and were about to tear off my legs and arms. And I thought, I can't endure this. I can't endure this. And something grabbed me all of a sudden and pulled me out of the cell. I know it was the Lord, but then I didn't know that. I was there as an unsaved person, so I didn't know these things. I just went there just as if I had never accepted the Lord. And I was placed over next to the fire that I had seen. I was standing alongside that pit. And I was beneath a cavern, like a giant uh, cave tunnel going up. And alongside the fire, I could see through the flames just enough to see bodies, people in the fire, screaming, screaming for mercy, burning in this place. And I knew I didn't want to go in there. The, The pain I endured already was bad enough, but the heat and the flame I knew was worse. And these people were begging to get out and there were... These big creatures lined all around the edge of it. And as the people clawed up trying to get out, they would be shoved back in to the fire and not allowed out. And, and I thought, oh, 
this place is so horrible, so horrible and horrendous. All this is going on at the same time. You're you're thirsty and you're hungry and you're you're exhausted. You don't get to sleep in hell either. You need sleep just like you would now. Uh, your body needs sleep. Revelation 14:11 says, and the smoke of their torment ascends up forever and ever and they have no rest day nor night. You never get to sleep. You can imagine how that is. Never sleeping. Uh, and the water again, Zechariah 9:11. the prisoners out of the pit where there is no water. Absolutely no water in hell. I knew that um, hell's location is in the center of the earth. That's where it's at, in the center of the earth. I understood that I was about 3,700 miles deep in the earth. And we know that the earth's uh, diameter is 8,000 miles, so halfway would be about 4,000. I was about 3,700 miles down. And uh, in Ephesians 4.9, it says, Jesus descended into the lower parts of the earth. Number 1632 says the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up and they went down alive into the pit and the earth closed upon him. That's where hell is right now. Uh, later, hell and death will be cast into the lake of fire. And it says that'll be cast into outer darkness. That's after judgment day. But right now it is in the earth. And um, I was alongside this pit of fire and I and I saw all these demons all lined up in the in along the walls, all sizes and shapes of every kind of deformed, ugly creature you can imagine. There were all twisted, deformed creatures, uh, huge ones, small ones. There were giant spiders, huge spiders this big, and rats and snakes and worms, because the Bible talks about worms uh, that cover thee, Isaiah 14, 11. Uh, there were all kind of abominable creatures everywhere, and they, they seemed to be uh, chained. They seemed to be chained to the walls. And I wonder why, I wonder why these things are chained to the walls. I didn't understand that. But uh, there's a scripture on that where Jude 6 says, And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. And so maybe that's what I saw. I don't know, but that's what it appeared to be. And I was glad because I didn't want them to get to me. They all hated me with a passion. That was another thing I didn't understand was they weren't just creatures. They had a hatred towards mankind. So I was glad they were chained to the walls. And I, I began to ascend up this pit, this tunnel, and, um, and, and leave the flames so it got darker. But I could see all these demons in the, uh, along the walls, and they, they had such uh, awesome power. I thought, who could fight off these creatures? No one could fight these things. But, but yet, uh, that fear was so overwhelming, I just couldn't even stand the, tolerating this fear. And, but I, the worst thing in hell, the worst thing, worse than the torments and everything else, was I understood, first of all, that there was a life going on up here on the earth. And that people up here had, most people, had no idea that this world exists down here. They don't even know this is a real world down here and there's billions of people suffering and begging for one chance that they had an opportunity to get out, but they never get a chance to get out. And, and being mad at themselves for not taking the opportunity to, to have received Jesus. That you are stuck there forever. You have, this is the worst thing about hell, was that there was absolutely no hope of ever getting out. I understood that. I grasped eternity. I could understand eternity. Here we can't quite get a hold of it. I understood it. But I knew that I would be there forever and ever and ever and no, have no hope of getting out. And I, and I thought about my wife, but I could never get to my wife. You know, and I've always told her if we were ever separated, any kind of uh, earthquake or something horrible, I said, I'll get to you. I will find you. I'll get to you if we're ever apart. 
And I couldn't get to her. I could never see her again. And she would never have any idea where I was. And she, I, I just could never ever talk to her again. And that thought just absolutely bothered me terribly to not be able to talk to her and get to her and, and for her to not know where I was and have no hope in this place to never get out. You understand? You never get out of here, ever. See, on earth, there's always hope. Even people in concentration camps had a hope of getting out or dying, at least, to get out of it. But we've never experienced a totally hopeless situation. And in Isaiah 38, 18, it says, They shall go down into the pit and cannot hope for thy truth. No hope. And the truth is Jesus. He is the truth. About this time, we're going up the tunnel and I'm just in absolute fear and hopelessly lost and fearing these demons all of a sudden. Just all of a sudden, Jesus showed up. Praise you, Lord. Jesus showed up. This bright light lit up the place. I, I only saw his outline, the outline of a man. I couldn't see his face. It was so bright. And I just looked into this light and saw his outline and I just fell on my knees and collapsed. I couldn't do anything but worship Him. I was so grateful that one second ago I was lost forever. And now all of a sudden I'm out of this place. Because I already had known Jesus. Those people can't get out. But because I was already saved, I knew and understood there is no way out of this place. Only by Jesus. He is the only way to keep from going to this place. And in Revelation 1-6, it says, John, when he went to heaven, and it says, and, his, and he saw Jesus, and his countenance was as the sun that shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as a dead man. That's just how I did. I fell at his feet like a dead man. And now you think you'd want to ask him a million questions, but when you're there, all you can do is worship him and praise his holy name and thank him for what he saved us from. I... When I got my composure at least enough to start forming thoughts, I thought about, I said to the Lord, I don't even think I asked him, I just thought it and he answered me. I thought, Lord, why did you send me to this place? Why did you send me here? And he said to me, because people do not believe that this place exists. He said, even some of my own people do not believe this place is real. I was shocked at that statement. I thought every Christian has got to believe in hell. But not everybody believes in a literal burning hell. And I said, Lord, why did you pick me? And he didn't answer me on that question. I have no idea why he picked me to go there. I'm the least likely to go to this place. I, my wife and I hate evil movies. We hate anything bad. I don't even like the summertime, much less heat. <laughs> I like that. It's filthy. It's, there's no order. It's all chaos and disorder and disgust. And I love everything orderly and excellence and, I don't know, but, he didn't answer me on that one. And he said to me, he said, go tell them that I hate this place. That is not my desire for one of my creation to go to this place. Not one. I never made this for man. This was made for the devil and his angels. You have to go and tell them. I've given you a mouth. You go and tell them. And I thought to myself, but Lord, I thought, they're not going to believe me. They're going to think I'm crazy or had a bad dream. I mean, wouldn't you think that? And I thought those thoughts. And the Lord answered me and he said, it's not your job to convict them. It's the Holy Spirit's job. You just go and tell them. 
And I, and I was just inside. Yes, sir. Absolutely. I have to go and tell him. You can't worry and fear what man's going to think of you. You just have to go and do it and let God do the rest. Amen. And um, I said, Lord, why did they hate me so much? Why did these creatures hate me? And he said, because you're made in my image and they hate me. And, you know, the devil can't do anything against God. He can't hurt God per se, but he can hurt his creation. And that's why the devil hates mankind and, and deceives him into taking him into hell and inflicts diseases upon him. Anything he can do to hurt God's creation. And about this time, God flooded me with his thoughts. I was flooded with thoughts of I, I, he let me touch a piece of his heart of how much he loves mankind. I, unbelievable. I couldn't even take it. It was so overbearing. The love he has for man, you can't take it in this body. You know, us, we love our wives, our children, how much you love them. Well, that love we have can't even be compared to the love God has for us. It's not, it, his love is infinitely greater than our love and our ability. And it's just the same as it says in Ephesians 3.19, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. It goes so far past knowledge, you can't even grasp it. I couldn't believe how he loved mankind, that he would die for just one person to not go to this place. And it hurt him so much to see one of his creation go into this place. It pains the Lord. He weeps to see one person go on. And I felt so bad for the Lord. I felt like his heart. He allowed me to just touch a piece of his heart to where he felt such sadness for his creation going there. And I thought, I've got to go out and witness and take every last breath I have and go tell the world about Jesus, how good he is. I mean, we have the gospel. It's good news. It's good news. And the world doesn't know. They have to be told. You know, we have to share knowledge. People just have lack of knowledge in this area. God wants us to share with them how good he is and how he hates this place. He said to me also, he said, tell them I am coming very, very soon. And he said it again, tell them I'm coming very, very soon. Now, now I think, why didn't I say to him, what do you mean, Lord? What's soon to you? You know, you know, I mean, right. That's how we think. What's soon? And, but I didn't, you know, I didn't ask. You just don't think to ask things then. You just like, you just want to worship him so much. You can't even believe to be around the peace of God that comes over you being next to him is unexplainable. I've been in anointed services like you all have, but there is no comparison to the love and the peace of God that you feel being next to him. And then when I looked up and I saw those demons on the wall that were so ferocious, they looked like ants on the wall. They just looked like ants, like they were still big, but with the power of God next to you, all of God's creative power, those ants look like, I mean, they look like ants on the wall. I couldn't get over it. And, and I thought, Lord, they're just ants. And he said, you just have to bind them and cast them out in my name. And I thought, boy, the power he's given the church. You know, these things that were ferocious were no match for a devil without Jesus. None. They're ferocious. But with him, they are nothing. And I, I, just a boldness rose up in me right then when I saw these creatures. I felt like, you creatures were the ones torturing me and wanted to tear me apart? Come on. Come on now. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, the flesh rose up or something, you know. And uh, come on, you know, uh, Jesus, get them. And... Uh, <laughs> 
we went above the earth's surface. And we had to keep going up the earth's surface. We went above because we were still in a tunnel. I couldn't see it anymore, but it was like a whirlwind, a giant whirlwind we were in. And we kept going up. We had to go up it to get out of it, apparently. And um, uh, when we were going up it, I, when we got up to the top of it, uh, we were, I looked down at the earth and it was about like this high. You know, the curve of the earth was like that. It was awesome to look back at the earth. And I know God allowed that for me. Uh, he could have left that tunnel any which way he wanted. You know, but I think he, he knew in my heart as a kid, I always wanted to see what the earth looked like from space. Maybe I watched too much Star Trek or something, you know. But I just thought it would be really neat to see the earth. And to see it hung on nothing, like the Bible says. It says in Job 26.7, He hangeth the earth upon nothing. And you look at it and think, what's holding this up? What's making it turn so perfectly? God is in such control. The power of God that flooded me that He has, it's awesome. He has so much power. Every single thing is in His control. Not a hair on your head falls to the ground that He doesn't know about. Not a bird hits the ground that He doesn't know about. And it's just, I was flooded with these thoughts. I thought, God has so much power. And it just, I was overwhelmed me with that. And, and there's a scripture that says in Isaiah 40:22, the Lord sits upon the circle of the earth. And there I was on the circle of the earth. And, and I even thought, Lord, you know, how come in, before uh, Christopher Columbus, they could have read that scripture and known the earth was round, you know? You know, people wondered if they thought it was flat, you know? And um, anyway, and then oh, as we came back down, we passed through the shield. I knew we were passing through that heat shield that's around the earth. I, I, I just knew it. And, um, and I even thought, stupid thought, here are you with God. And I thought, I wonder how he's going to go through that shield. You know how in space they have to penetrate it just as a per- perfect angle? And we went through it no problem whatsoever. Uh, no surprise. And I'm sure the Lord must have rolled his eyes like, you know, I can handle that one. And there is a scripture in Psalms 47, 9 that says, For the shields of the earth belong to God. He is in control of everything. Everything. I just didn't want him to leave. I was, I just want to be in his presence. We were coming up fast on California. Just coming real fast up on the, I'm looking like, wow. And they were moving so quick. And came up to my, our house. And I looked and I could see right through the roof of our house. And I could see myself laying on the floor. And, and this has really hit me strong right here. Because I saw my body laying there. And I thought, that can't be me. I'm here. This is me. You know, you've never seen two of yourself. You know, and here I was laying there. I thought, that's not really me. And that scripture where Paul said, we're just in a tent. That hit me so strong. I thought, that's just a tent. That's nothing. It's temporary. This is the real me. This is what eternity is all about. That life that we worry about, that, that we, it hit me also about the vapor. You know, that life is such a vapor. And James 4.14 talks about, and how short this life is. It's short. A hundred years if you live. It's nothing. It goes up like a vapor. And I thought, we've got to live for God. What we do now here counts for eternity. We've got to, we got to witness. We got to get out there and save the lost. You know, we can't worry about all these little piddly things that we all get so tied up and hung up on. We need to really get out there and preach the gospel and the good news because this is over with quick. But I saw my body laying there. I thought it was just like as if you got out of your car and looked back at your car. That's not you. It's your car. It just gets you around. That's how that looked to me. That just gets me around here on the earth. But this is the real me. And I thought, oh, Lord, don't leave, don't leave. I just want to stay with you for a while. And uh, But he, he left. I came up to my body and something pulled me back into my body. Like I was sucked back into my nose or my mouth. And uh, right then when he left, that's when all the fear and the torture and the torment came back into my mind. Because it says in the Bible, perfect love casts out fear. 
I was next to perfect love all that time, so that left me. But when he left, all of a sudden the, the, the fear and the horrors of hell entered my mind. And I couldn't stand it. I couldn't stand I was screaming. I was in agony. I couldn't, I couldn't live it. I knew that this body was not capable of withstanding that kind of fear. You can't hold up under that kind of pressure. Your body isn't strong enough. So I, that's when I prayed and I finally uh, I was able to pray, take it out of my mind. In the natural, you would have had to go through all kinds of um, probably counseling to get through all this trauma. But God took it out instantly, took it out, the trauma. He left the memory, but took the trauma and the fear out. I was so grateful. Uh, anyway, after this, so many things happened, I wish we had time to go into, that God uh, confirmed what happened to me. If there's someone here tonight or today that doesn't know the Lord... You have to ask yourself a question. You have to say, do I believe these people that what they saw is real? All these people and myself. But more importantly, what the Word of God says about hell. Do you want to take that chance and think, ma'am, I don't believe it. I don't believe that's real. You have to throw out all the Word of God and all of us trying to tell you, are you willing to take that chance? with your whole eternity? That would seem pretty foolish to me to just absolutely just snap. I'm going to just not even... You can't let the devil deceive you. That big creature in the end there that was laughing, that's how the devil would be when you got to hell. He would laugh because you had an opportunity to receive the Lord and you, you missed it. But once you're there, it's no turning back. There's absolutely no turning back You'd be there lost forever. And you know, you might be saying to yourself, well, I'm pretty good. I'm a pretty good person. I, I don't deserve that place. And you probably are pretty good compared to most people. But that's not what you need to compare to. We need to compare ourselves to God's standard. His standard is so much higher than ours. He says in the Word that if you lie once, just once in your whole life, that makes you a liar. If you stole one thing in your life, a paper clip, a couple minutes of your boss's time, anything, just once, that made you a thief. If you were angry without cause, if you didn't forgive someone that did something wrong against you, if you lusted after a woman, any of these things, if you just did it one time, that makes you a sinner. And you can't make it to heaven. So you see, all of us come short. We all fall short and can't get there on our own works. Titus 3.5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. Amen. So, it depends on how you compare. If you compare, it's like a woman that saw a, sh a flock of sheep on a hill and they were all so white and beautiful against this green hill. She said, look at those white sheep, how beautiful they look, so white. She went to bed and overnight it snowed. She looked up the next morning and saw the sheep and they all looked dull and dingy and gray compared to the white snow. So we need to compare ourselves to God and His standard is way higher than ours. So we have need of a Savior. We can't get there on our own. God made it a free gift. He said in John 14:6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. He's the only way out of this place. So if there's anyone here that doesn't know the Lord, anyone here that has never really asked Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life, 
You never really came to that point where you had to voice it out your own mouth and say it and ask Him to come into your life. Would you stand up? If there's anybody here, would you stand up now for Jesus? And don't let the devil, that creature, laugh at you. Stand up now when, when you have the chance because you don't know how much time we have. You don't know that you might die tomorrow and end up in that place. And, and let me tell you, that place is, that just the heat alone would be horrible to endure. Those people that we saw jump out of the towers, hold hands and jump, how horrible that must have been, you know, to, you've ever been up high and look down, to jump would be unthinkable. But they had to face that heat. And that was only for about five seconds, it would have incinerated them, and that was about 2,000 degrees. And scientists say that the earth, in the center of the earth is about 12,000 degrees. So you have to endure that for eternity. If you're willing to go through that, that would be awfully foolish. Now is the time. The Bible's real plain. Uh, we are sinners. And whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus said, If you will confess me before men publicly, and I will turn and confess your name before my heavenly Father and the holy angels. But if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father. I want to ask you to do something. If you've never publicly, I mean in front of other people, if you've never publicly declared Jesus Christ is my Savior, I made Him the Lord of my life, or if you're unsure whether heaven is your eternal home. You've never publicly declared Jesus as your Lord or you're unsure that you're going to heaven. Jesus hung naked on a cross in a marketplace. He hung there for you, endured your shame. If you'll pray this prayer from the depths of your heart, God will save your soul and He'll give you an opportunity in the not-too-distant future, for you to make it public. Uh, pray with us, especially those who are in the congregation and know you should. God, I believe in you. Say it out loud. You are my creator. I am a sinner. I've sinned in many points willfully and unconsciously. I've fallen short. I've missed the mark. I'm stained with sin. Jesus, I believe in You. You are the eternal Son of God. You're the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of this world who takes away my sin. I believe you died on a cross, shedding your innocent blood for my guilty soul. I believe you were buried. On the third day you arose. You are alive forevermore.
I call you my Lord. I call you my Savior. I give you my life. I will love you, serve you the rest of my days. I belong to you. The good parts, the bad parts, the sinful parts, all my plans, all my dreams, I give everything to you. Thy will be done in me. I believe I'm saved. Not by good works, but by faith. By trust in you. In Jesus I pray. Amen. Amen. Stay right here. Stay right here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Uh, that response is perfectly appropriate. The Bible says, Heaven has no greater joy than one sinner repent. And we only know a pale example of what goes on in heaven when it witnesses what you've done today. I want to address the rest of you and I'm going to drop out of this. I want to give an altar call for those of us who've witnessed this. We're really most fortunate to hear Brother Bill say what he experienced. And I'm going to issue a challenge to you. And I really would warn you, don't accept this unless you're ready for some activity of the Spirit in your life. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be flippant. I'm saying don't make this your confession unless you really mean it. And here's, here's what it is. One, it's got two parts. One, I will no longer fear the face of man. The biggest single inhibitor to us acting like we really know there's a heaven and there's a hell. I will no longer fear the face of man. And two... I will talk to everyone I know the rest of my life about Jesus and heaven and hell. That is a huge commitment. Every person I know who reached people for Christ came to these two points of commitment. Why else have a relationship with anyone if not to share with them the glorious good news that saves their soul from hell. It's a, it's a felony in the spirit to know someone, to converse with them, to entertain yourselves with them, to enjoy their presence and never tell them without Christ they're going to hell. Every relationship is to be a doorway to communicate the truth that you've witnessed today. So it's logical. If you're not ready to do that, hey, I understand. 
But if you are ready to make those two commitments, if you agree, say this to God. God, I believe in You. I believe in Jesus, Your Son. Your precious Holy Spirit. I receive the challenge of the hour. I declare of myself this is my confession. I will no longer fear the face of man. I will not concern myself with the opinion of man. My reputation is of no importance. I hate the fear of man. I will tell everyone I know the rest of my life about you, Lord Jesus, about heaven and the place called hell. I step over the line. I will no longer be indifferent, preoccupied, not caring. I accept your word, I will not fear, and I will speak up. This is my confession to Almighty God. Just, just let the moment sit. Raise up your army, God, all over this city, nation, and world are people who have rightly discerned the times in which they live, are people who have come to understand eternity is the next moment away, who see with clarity into the glories of heaven and the horrors of hell, and order their priorities to obey God. Now, grace, God, they've made a bold confession, God. Without your grace, it will not come to pass, but we believe your grace is sufficient to do what the Word of God tells us to do. Grace, grace, grace upon your people here.